Guys, it's 111 degrees today in Los Angeles. I am not fucking around. This is Corey, and this is the O the Anthem Podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. It's Rob. Welcome to episode 335 of the O the Anthem Podcast, coming to you from the hashtag OTA LA Studios. Hi about the 110 Freeway. <laughs> Damn it, I just made it. <laughs> in downtown Los Angeles, California, thank you for joining us. Yes, and uh, let's start right up at the top here. <laughs> A story from the Washington Post, this or the Atlantic, I'm sorry, the Atlantic this week. Uh, backed up by several other Mm-mm. news outlets, including Fox News, in case you want to go find it for yourself. The story starts, uh, interestingly enough, with uh, Donald Trump and John Kelly, when he was chief of staff, going to Arlington to visit the grave of John Kelly's son, Robert, who had died in war. Um, and the two of them are standing over the gravestone, and they're looking down. And Trump says, and I don't want to get this wrong, so I'm going to look for the exact words. What was in it for him? To which apparently John Kelly sort of thought maybe Trump was being like uh, esoteric or vague about the meanings of casualty and war and what does it all mean to this thing. Not in the way that he was selfishly thinking what would be in it for somebody to die for this country. And once Kelly sort of realized (laughs) that the worst fears of the president were were realized, he he was... uh, as disgusted as he should have been at that. I, I, I'm, I'm honestly shocked that Kelly didn't punch him right there. Well, I <laughs> like, mean, obviously it's he... such a stunning statement that I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, Oh, he didn't mean that, you know? Well, it's, it's that thing where it's like, if a sitting president is leaning over to you and saying, what was, what was in it for him? I would take from that. If I leaned over and said that to a veteran, I would say yeah. that I would hope they take that meaning to be, we need to do something good with this republic. We need to do the hard work right now because he went and he died to protect this country. Yeah. And we need to make it worth it for right. that kind of sacrifice. But that's not what he meant. What he meant was, hey, my name is President Bone Spurs and uh, I am completely a narcissistic, selfish person who would not go sacrifice myself. For anyone, let alone the ideals of a country. Right. So what's in it for him to go and die for that? And to say that to the father yeah. of the dead person who is also in your administration. And by, by the way, knowing the dates of all this that happened, Kelly continued to serve in the administration yes. after that discussion. I, I think that uh, what's important to note here is that we may have arguments, uh, by we I mean the people of America, may have arguments about whether or not wars are worthy to be sending people towards, like whether Iraq or Afghanistan was a worthy cause to have troops die for. Uh, we have arguments as to whether or not the size of the military should be brought down, if there should be less troops effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no one, no one that I've ever known in my life has like in their mind said like that the sacrifice that they made giving up their life for their country was not one of the most valiant and brave things. Like it's, it's beyond party. It's beyond political ideology. It's beyond any like, well, by the way, Trump went beyond that too, because not only did he insult general Kelly's son directly, right? But, Over the course of this administration, there have been several occasions where this kind of talk continued. He was in France. He had the opportunity to go to um, to Calais, which is essentially where the invasion of Normandy was. Mm. And 
He referred, uh, he said he didn't want to go to the cemetery where there are, I think, 4,000 Americans buried. Those that took play, that uh, took part in the invasion of Normandy and then that first initial push from the beachhead. They're all buried in a cemetery. It's in a beautiful place, right on the water in France. Um, if you've seen the end of Saving Private Ryan, he goes there and he's like leaning over that grave and he's like, I hope I made it worth it. And by the way, more emotion at the end of Saving Private Ryan than there was when the president said he was going to go visit that particular place. Yeah. Like he said, why would he want to go to the cemetery? Because those who die in war are just losers and suckers. Yes. Because why would you go? By the way, and John Kelly's son died in, I want to say Afghanistan, but Iraq or yeah. one of the more recent combats. And I, I think that the more leftist people who I follow on Twitter may have as well uh, parroted that argument of like, yeah, yeah, what was in it for him? He went to protect oil uh, derricks and die. You're talking about... The greatest generation, the ones who liberated Europe. There, there is so hold on. There is a separation between if if some so if a soldier were in, I can only think of this in in bad terms because it's the only way it makes sense. But if a soldier was in Afghanistan with his squadron, and then he just randomly ran into a town and started firing at people, and he mm -hmm. died in in combat. By the way, uh, that has is, happened. Also, well, has yeah, happened before. but yes, that's a crime. He yeah. committed a crime. <laughs> he committed a war crime specifically, mm -hmm. but. You know, like, we're not separate, you know, like, it. we also speak of, like, you know, oh, our loser friend joined the military. Mm -hmm. We're not saying that he is a loser because he joined the military. We're saying that he was a loser, a loser prior to being in the military. Uh, and I don't, I, I think those are the only situations where, like, you could be talking about the, 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 there's a separation at a certain point between what the commanders choose to do and what the military people do. So, like, you know, if somebody dies because, you know, their commander told them to run into this place where there's 100 enemy combatants all by themselves and they yeah. die, you could say, like, well, that's a stupid – why did he die like that? That's bad. But that's not on him. That's not on the soldier executing the command. Yeah. It's on the command staff putting in a plan. Was and that at the end of that command staff is the commander-in-chief, i.e. The, the president. president. Yeah. So was, was that a good wife thing? What? The, the son went in and got shot. I feel like it's something with Juliana Margulies in it, which makes me think it's the good wife. I don't think so. The I'd son ran in and they were trying to call him. Uh, damn, what was I watching? Anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, soldier was called a coward for running because he had a shot in the back. And mm. uh, then the real video came out and it come to find out he like was rushing people out to try and save his own soldiers. Yeah. And then dove on top of someone took a round in the back and they're like, he was a coward. He was running away. Yeah. But if you edited the video, what you saw is him running past saying, let's get out of here. And then cut to shot in the back. You don't see the, the other soldier right. underneath him. Um, so even when it looks like maybe someone deserves to be called a loser, but green salt, because yeah. you, you never know uh, the situation. I mean, effectively, if you think it, it, in the perfect structure of how the army works, it's very much like if you were playing Risk. Yeah. Like, you have to, you know, like, obviously you think about every single one of these people as, like, actual living people. But at the, at the same time, you have to think about it in terms of, like, how am I best utilizing the assets which I have in order to ascertain or to get a goal, to, to, to succeed in whatever I'm trying to do? Yeah. So you think about all these people, these live actual human people as parts of that sort of thing. And the idea is lose as few of them as humanly possible. 
Like, yes. <laughs> Ideally, succeed, yes. And yeah. in doing so, lose as few as possible. Because Did you see at ha- the end of the day, they're all human beings with lives. And ones who decided to do something that, pre- that Trump would never do. Yeah. He would never put himself in a situation where he would be a soldier or anything like that. Did you because- see Hacksaw Ridge or did you boycott because it was Mel Gibson's movie? I didn't see Hacksaw Ridge. You also I just don't like war movies, so. Yeah, I don't think I boycotted it specifically because of Mel Gibson because I think this is the first time hearing that it was Mel Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my my knowledge of Hacksaw Ridge was so little I didn't even know that. Yeah. So <laughs> the the real story behind the movie of Hacksaw Ridge is that there's literally just a place where you had to climb 50 feet vertically and then the machine gun nest was 100 yards from the edge of the cliff. So these guys would say, "We're going to send 15 guys up." 15 guys would go up, three would come back, all three injured. And then the commander would be like, all right, next platoon. And yeah. up the hill, because we got to get to the top of this ridge. They're, they're sending bombardment down to the beach on our guys. We got to take this ridge. So 15 go up, three come back, all three are wounded. All right, 15 more, up, three come back, and they're all wounded. And I'm trying to picture in my head, all of these guys that, by the way, because Twitter somehow are making the mental gymnastics of supporting Trump in his allegation that those who invaded Normandy are losers and suckers for dying in war. Yeah. And I'm imagining these guys who play Call of Duty and think they're really badasses standing there and being the third or fourth group in line and just seeing 15 guys go up, three come back. 15 go up, three come back. And what would a commander have to do to get that guy to go up? Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, it would be uh, Leningrad where the commanders are like, okay, my job is not to inspire you. It's to shoot you if you turn and run away. Yeah. Soviet commanders literally were given the job because they were not fearless, uh, but they were... uh, Soulless. Soulless. Yeah. And literally, the only guy with the machine gun is the guy in the back. And if you turned and ran, he shot you just so to set a lesson for everyone else. You keep going forward. And I'm like, all of these these Call of Duty guys who are like... First of all, you're playing Call of Duty. Yeah. The, the whole thing is based on World War II, but the, the disconnect where like, I'm going to do the mental gymnastics of defending the president saying that men inva- who invaded Normandy and died are losers and suckers, and I would never be willing to go do that myself. I, I'm only going to play this as long as it's a video game and I'm safe. And I know, can no-scope a guy like four, four clicks away. But, but if it wasn't enough to degrade the dead, part of this reveal was also that during a military parade, which, by the way, we usually don't have. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is the military parade that we were all like, what are we, dear leader with our North Korean like, yeah. military parades? Like During this parade, Trump said he didn't want any amputee veterans to be there because they were a real downer. Yeah, Killjoy, like, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So you. We don't want to bring people down. Like, Well, and honestly, that is also something that they do in North Korea. The people who you put in the parades are always the fittest. Yeah. It's, I don't want people to see that they could get injured or killed yeah. if they go fight. It's always, look how fit our boys are, and they're going off to war. That's why they're always doing the high kicks, too. <laughs> the high goose stepping yeah. and all in line, because look how awesome we are. Mm-hmm. But behind that are, behind the war in Afghanistan and the war in Iraq are 70,000 injured people. From lost limbs to traumatic brain injuries, where the, the guy looks absolutely fine. IED hit the Humvee, flipped it over, and his brain got shaken for 40 seconds, and he can't feed himself. But looks well, like and, a totally normal guy. And, I mean, the PTSD conversation, oh, and, too, which is 
you know, like I, I think that while we're talking about this, I think there's a lot of people who have this thing in their head where PTSD is only the people who've gone over the deep end, gone oh, crazy yeah. per se. But PTSD is all the time, and you never like from time to time. I, I had a concussion once, and from time to time, I would get a migraine. Yeah, and it just out of nowhere, I just wake up one morning and. I couldn't do light. I couldn't do noise. I couldn't do anything. Uh, it was I was in bed the whole day, trying to avoid being awake as much as I possibly. Just could. to be clear, though, Corey did not get his in the theater of battle, unless you want to consider the intramural field at Hofstra University <laughs> the field of battle, which yeah. is where he picked his up. <laughs> it got uh, flipped vertically by like a yeah. seven foot tall dude. Got, like, that was no. I joke. got back body dropped on my head. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. But, but no, I mean, like, you know, so it's PTSD is not necessarily the the vision that we have of somebody who's gone round the bend. Shell shocked. Like Sh- yeah. On, or like, yeah. you know, like, we'll we'll periodically have these moments where he's like screaming out about like, you know, like there's enemies in the trees or something like that. Yeah. That that is the worst case scenario of what happens here. But so many of the people who come back, even if they look normal and well adjusted and can can maintain a normal life yeah doesn't mean that they're not dealing with it's like depression you don't see it you don't know when somebody is like at the at they could be at their lowest level uh robin williams yeah uh funny guy they, doing funny they, shows they showed the video of chester before he killed himself yeah. too from lincoln park where you know like the day before he was with his kids laughing and having fun he was at the point where he was so low he was ready to take his own life yep ptsd does not need to be the you know flashing red alert thing which it it isn't even treated that way right now. Like it, there, I had we a friend. Can, we can take a walk down to Francisco Street here in downtown Los mm-hmm. Angeles and see the little tent city. And I'm some sure we're guys. going to find 20 percent of them to be veterans of some kind. Yeah, and of Maybe those higher. of those veterans, we're going to find that alarming amount of them are wearing underpants on their head and doing things that we associate with somebody who has lost control of the situation. Yep. But I, I had a friend who joined up in 2001 and went and for two years when he got back, he slept in the basement. He couldn't sleep with his wife in the bed. I honestly would go to bed with her, wait for her to fall asleep. And he would go to the basement because night terrors. And apparently the first week he was home, he woke up and he was on top of her, like choking her Yeah, because she had touched him in the middle of the night. He didn't wake up. He just went into automatic, like, yeah. someone's on me. He spent too much time in a foxhole in Afghanistan. And you got to be ready because they'll sneak up in the night. So for two years. And by the way, hold them to themselves out like everything's fine. Yeah. We went to barbecues. We hung out. Everything was cool. But he's at night worried, like locking himself in the basement so that he doesn't attack his wife in his sleep. Yeah. It's a it, silent thing. It's crazy. For for all the talk that Trump makes, too, of uh, nobody being better for the veterans, and you've never seen the VA work like this before and stuff like that, I still feel like I see an awful amount of people sleeping on the street Yeah, with n- night terrors that would, you know, that understandably make family push you away. You know, like, if I was the wife in that situation, oh, I, I, I would... of a saint. Yeah, I would... I. Obviously, I would try and say that I would I would try and be with him forever because I signed up for this and, you know, like all that. But at a certain point, you know, like there's only so many times you can choke me in the middle of the night before I decide that I can't do this anymore. You know, like you just wake up screaming in the middle of the night or you don't wake up. You're just screaming in your sleep in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, You go to fireworks with your kids and uh, 
the first one catches you unawares, like, you know, if you're sitting and ready, you're ready for it, but yeah. you're walking with your kids, the first firework gets all, goes off and, and catches you by surprise. And you take three steps and dive and slide behind a tree. Yeah. Just because, because you go into autopilot and that's what you got to do. Find cover, get down. Yeah. And I mean, your, your three-year-old's like, dad, what the, <laughs> what's going on? What's, what's, I, I've often thought that, you know the 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 soldiers who die in a way are, you know that some of the soldiers who live kind of oh. go through more agony than the ones who die. They and I, it it's not to it's not to no. you know like uh, it's really well, uh, and just the, uh, you know I I didn't have any uh, all my all the fam the, the family that I had that were veterans lived they they all managed to survive and not have any horrible injuries that yeah. they carried forever or anything like that. So very fortunate in that regard. But, you know, I would talk to my, my grandfather who was uh, on the, the first boat that rescued the USS Indianapolis mm-hmm. in Pearl Harbor. And I, I heard about it. I heard about that story. And I was like, oh, I should talk to him about it. And I should see what it was like. And he didn't want to talk about no. it. Not one bit. He said, I, I, I really choose not to. I don't really remember that much because I don't want to remember that much about it. And I remember him being like, he, he wasn't like a joyful, like, you know, like happy <laughs> gregarious guy, no, but like but you could, you could tell that I hit a nerve with him click. and he went from being like his default to being like, I'm in, I'm in lockdown mode. I'm in, yeah. I'm in protect myself mode right now. And, well, and- it, you know, like it, it's, I couldn't, I couldn't, ever properly find the words that would describe how I feel about people who, who, especially the ones who willingly signed up to go. Oh yeah. Like, like I want to be a part of the people who signed up on September 12th to fight whatever it was that got it. We didn't even know yep. what the hell had happened. And there were people signing up the next day to like fight. Recruiters in the high school, by the way, like September 13th, there were five recruiters in my high school. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, you know, I, I, there, again, there, we, ha- we can have difficult conversations about how the military operates and whether or not they should do certain things or whether they should be responsible for certain things. Yeah. Recruiters in high schools, like mm. when everyone's emotions are really high, yeah. it might seem in poor taste. But that's a discussion separate from the people who serve, yeah. the people who are part of this. And I, I just if I was if I was Mitch McConnell, if I was anybody who had an R next to their name, I'd be taking out billboard space in Times Square. I back the troops. I, yeah. I, to me, there is nothing more automatic in this, in this world than the people who are willing to die for you are to be, uh, to be honored in a way that, uh, is reflective of the sacrifice. Yeah. And, you know, there's people, you know, we talk about the cops a lot and you would argue that some would argue that they die for us too. And I would argue (laughs) that I would say that it's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, and almost the fact that you, you, the, the, I appreciate the fact that somebody signs up to be good, but then I feel like there's systems in place that make these very different organizations and structures, but I well, never. I, I also never say that you know some cop who died trying to save somebody from a fire 
you know, like, oh, good or see, no, <laughs> like, no, 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 no reasonable, no reasonable human being ever says that different context. But yeah. I was going to say also, so a country like Germany, you sign up for four years to go in the military. We yeah. don't even do that anymore because, by the way, you can't get enough people to volunteer for four years. So I think we're down to like two and a half years now. But for in Germany, you sign up for four years. Your first year, part of your training is how to become a soldier. Part of your training is how to deal with the fact that you may kill, you may take someone's life in service of the state. Yeah. Your last year is deprogramming you from being a soldier. So every time that they have a soldier come in, you really get two years of soldiering, prepping you to be a soldier, deprogramming you from being a soldier. Right. America, even when we had four-year enlistments, was like, all right, you sign up day one. We're going to throw you in boot camp. And as soon as I can get your boots on the ground somewhere, I'm going to send you. Yeah. And and then as soon as you're done, the last here's day, your bus ticket at Topeka. Enjoy there, your life. Like There were people who had their enlistments run out while they were on, while their, their group was on tour. And literally it's like, you are, you are going to go out on this march today. Yeah. And then when you get back, there'll be a, a plane waiting to take you to Germany and then on to the United States. And good luck, soldier. Like, yeah. so you may have killed someone on your patrol today and tomorrow you're going to be in bed with your wife. Yeah. Again, but maybe choking her in the middle of the night. But again, if any, any politician like <laughs> Joe Biden did this right. I, I, I hate the, when I can say those words out loud, but <laughs> <laughs> Joe Biden did this right where he, you know, somebody asked him the question and he, he has very real feelings about this because he was he was vice president when Bo was in yeah. war and he would go visit Bo in war and he knew that the decisions that he made might impact his son and he had to think of being you know second in command to commander in chief to being responsible not only for the safety of his own son but everyone else who is a son or daughter of somebody else who is in service like yeah. every every one that he is fighting with is also a son or a daughter and so by the way Bo, further to his credit um more prince henry than prince william where mm. as soon as his dad got into office they could have they would have pulled him out absolutely he becomes yeah. a target at that point yeah but he continued to serve in his line unit just using the example prince uh, harry where he actually was serving under a different name. No one knew what unit he was with, and Harry was not listed anywhere. Yeah. It was like, no, it's just another soldier in another unit. I, and William did like uh, his two years in reserves in England or but whatever. So. so far in the in the first couple of days since this story came out, I mean, Trump has, has said Fox News should fire the person who wrote the story, <laughs> story validating all the parts yeah. of it. But yeah. Uh, well, by the way, that's because I've, Fox News immediately came out and said, there's no way this is true. And then someone <laughs> at Fox News was like, this is absolutely true. I heard these exact stories. <laughs> it's like we weren't watching when John McCain died. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, that, there's another great example where John McCain uh, dies and the flags are at half mast. Then they go to full mast. Then they come back down to half mast. Well, and the whole background of that is Trump being like, why are we honoring him? Wait, he got captured. That's not yeah. a good thing. Well, when he was running, he said... Uh, I like my soldiers who don't get captured. Yeah. And like there was there was an argument that people were making at the time like you don't understand this is sort of how New Yorkers talk. Like he's not saying that like, you know, he's not appreciative of the soldiers who get captured. He's just saying like if I could have it my way, none of my soldiers would be captured, you know. Yeah, that's it's like you just saying. don't understand him in his New York ways. But this is this is a completely different like 
he hated John McCain. It was yeah. pre- it's pretty obvious well, and that he hated John McCain. And I gave him his funeral. Yeah. Did I get a thank you? No, no thank you. I flew him from Arizona to Washington. What what more can I do? What a piece of shit. But just I mean, a generally piece of shit person. I I, I just I, I don't uh, the fact that the only response has that has gotten uh heated enough or has gotten uh, emotional enough that it was Joe Biden to break through is the real problem here. Yeah. Because if I am a voter in Kentucky or a voter in Maine or any of these swing states or like any of these states where, uh, you know, McConnell's pretty safe, but I would still want to know, do you feel the same way yeah. about that all the troops are losers and suckers? And if you do, then why? And if you don't, then why does Trump still get to be like, why haven't you sanctioned him? Why haven't you... Uh, done anything to to uh, what was it? Not not a censure. Why yeah. why haven't you censured him? Like you can you can you can do things here to exert some force on this situation. The the best picture that I've seen come out of this, yeah, uh, was a dumpster outside of a neighborhood outside of Fort Bragg, and just chalked to the brim with Trump signs. Yeah, it's like. You literally, this is your bread and butter group. Yeah. And there is a neighborhood that's just called a gold star neighborhood outside of Fort Bragg where it's like, um, if your unit is on tour and you die, the army policy, by the way, is to move the wives off base. Like, well, you're not married to a soldier anymore. So, but there are, there are places where they would actually just move you and be like, all right, so we also control this set of houses and we're going to move you here until the unit comes back. And then you were already planning on moving somewhere else yeah. when he returned, so we assume that you can take care of that. But yeah, just the dumpster outside of the Gold Star neighborhood, just full of Trump signs, is the greatest image of all of this. Yeah. But if he wasn't a big enough piece of shit already, uh, we also got the Michael Cohen's book yeah. announcement, where we found out that um, he uses uh, a lot of racist lingo behind the scenes. Surprise, surprise to nobody. Uh, maybe the bigger, if you want to call it a surprise, is Trump saying, I like how Putin runs Russia, and I really wish I could run this country that way. Mm-hmm. So essentially saying, um, I wish I was a tin pot dis- dictator um, yeah. and could just rule with an iron fist, which leaves me very scared about what's going to happen after November. Well, I mean, you know, it, tying one thing into the other. I mean, Putin doesn't send rich kids off to off to war. True. None, none of the oligarch sons are members of the military. Yep. Uh, there seems true. to be some sort of class system there <laughs> that keeps certain people from having to serve. And it seems similar to something that happens here from time to time. where mm. People who have access to doctors who will write doctor's notes saying that you are, have a uh, shin splints or bone spurs <laughs> or uh, flat feet or whatever, yeah. Yeah. whatever it may be. Uh, can just say no, no. He's he can't possibly serve. Yeah, so, and maybe get three deferments yeah. out of Vietnam and not have to actually go. Yeah, or maybe get someone to take your SATs for you. Hey, like, what's <laughs> in it for him? Uh, and just one final note on um on Trump and and I can only hope, given my upbringing, that this is God saying, guys, <laughs> let's wake the fuck up now. Uh, but. There was a boat parade uh, on a lake in Florida uh, this this week. Uh, we at the uh, Friday, I think, and ha- some of the boats were swamped, and others were just fully sunk during yeah. this boat parade. And uh, there's a lovely image here, right next to me, of the rough waters. Apparently, when they set out, it was completely calm, and much like Moses and the Red <laughs> Sea, 
the water just rose up and became very angry and uh <laughs> capsized some boats. The sea was angry boats. that day, like yeah. a Jewish man trying to send back soup at a deli. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, by the way, I don't know, have you also seen the conspiracy theories about this? I you know what, hold on. Real <laughs> real quick. No, I didn't, but I'd also uh, this didn't dawn on me to say until right this very moment, but uh, what the fuck is up with the Trump? Like he has boat parades, and therefore I'm supposed to be like, oh, I care deeply about the boat people's opinion. Yes, <laughs> like, like, yes. Number one is boat ownership like a one percent thing. It's not a one percent thing. Not like a one percent like a rich person thing, but I'm saying like one percent of American people own a boat. Does yeah. that sound high or low? That's low. It's probably something more like eleven to fifteen percent. Really, yeah. one out of every ten people owns a boat. In the place where I grew up, one out of two people owns a boat. My family didn't have a boat, and my dad. Has I mean, I guess wanted I'm th- a boat. I guess I'm thinking about it in terms of like there's a lot of parts in the country where. It, you know, if you live in Kansas, there's not really a point in owning a boat no. unless you have a lake. But, yes, they will, let's hook the boat up and we're going to go 25, 30 miles to go to a lake or a river. Like, people mm. where I grew up, we didn't have a lake, but they would go out on the river and honestly just go to one one town in the county. Yeah. Float down. I mean, like, I, I just think county. that, like, uh, I guess in my mind, like, there's a lot of boat ownership in, you know, the eastern shore yeah. or if you live in, like, Cape May or you know, sure. somewhere where Miami, there's a lot of boat ownership and stuff like that. Uh, or if you live on the Gulf, like those, those all make sense to me. Uh, I just can't imagine that somebody who lives in like Pahrump, Nevada is just like, oh man, can't wait to get that boat so I can drive 80 miles to the nearest place where I can use it. Like, I think you would be very surprised. All right. Maybe because I- it's also, it's a, it's like a condo. They, they will go to like a little meeting and they'll be like, listen, for the price of two cups of coffee. Oh, like a, day. a timeshare condo. Yeah. Yeah. Except for it's not not that you share the boat, but yeah. it's like for the cup mm-hmm. of two cup for the cost of two cups of coffee a day, mm-hmm. you could be a boat owner. And like, do you know you can have your rifle on the boat? And then you start doing the like, I could be a boat owner. Yeah. Like yeah. And because the, in the minds of people, they say, oh, it's a one percent thing to own a boat, and I could own a boat. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean it one percent like. One percent, a small uh, percent of the population. Yeah, just yeah. meaning uh, how many people own boats. It's it's a lot more people than you would suspect, but uh, but a it's lot also fewer like, people now because some of them sunk over the weekend. But I mean, like it, it's also something that I don't think makes me change my opinion at all. And that's that maybe that's just I I it wasn't for me. Yeah, but I mean, like I guess if like you know the. <laughs> The people who root for the Kansas City Royals all got together. The season ticket holders got together and they voted and they said, like, we're all going to support Trump in the election. Yeah. And it's like the the Royals fans are supporting Trump. I'd just be like, OK, like not for you. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> why is this? Matter? Even if it was the Orioles fans, I doubt it would be. But like even if it was the Orioles fans going like, you know, all got together and decided we're voting for Trump. I'd just be like, OK, all right. Well, that's not cool. But <laughs> I guess I'll watch the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, but speaking of not cool, uh, some weirdly not cool news out of also Florida, where the <laughs> boat incident happened. Uh, surprise, surprise. Do you want to tell people about that? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> where to start? All right. So and just so people are clear, we do not live in a dystopian future as much as it's about to make it seem right now. And this whole conversation really has made it seem. <laughs> so uh, there's a county in Florida called Pasco County. And uh, inside of Pasco County, there is a sheriff, uh, and he has decided that he is going to switch up how his police force uh, 
operates and that a large part of their operation is going to go to preemptive crime fighting. Now, uh, where I come from, Baltimore, preemptive crime fighting means you get plainclothes officers who jump out of a car and arrest anyone who's standing on a corner. After running the car directly yeah, at the people screeching the, the brakes right up until you hit them. And then as soon as people start running, that gives you the, the license to go chase them. And then maybe you'll get a knife. Maybe you'll get a little pot. Maybe you'll get this. Maybe you'll get that. Uh, $10,000 in your pocket. Maybe you'll find some guy who has a warrant and you just got him. Uh, congratulations. You picked him up outside of the the cut rate. Uh, but I, this this version is not for a place like Baltimore. It Pasco County, from what I'm gathering here, seems like a lot more of like a sort of suburban Florida community here. Yeah. And... Uh, there seems to be some troubled kids, but I wouldn't argue that they're criminal masterminds or anything like that. No. Basically, what, what he has decided is he's going to take the top 5% of people who are most likely to commit crimes and just put a lot of pressure on them, mm. including uh, <laughs> twice a month having the cops just come into your place, just break down the door, come in, try and catch you doing something. Yeah. Uh, take bringing you in for some charge, you know, on a half dozen of occasions. Uh, but just imagine every two weeks you get paid and then the cops come busting in the door. Like you can't, it, it's the most unbelievable. And the, the, the one, one of the kids, the 15 year old, like he did something, you know, that was wrong. I think he like stole a car or something like that. Yeah. Was what was in the story. Like, yeah, th- not great that a 15 year old stole a car. But, you know, like, I, I also would like to see a world where this 15-year-old learns from this moment. By the way, did. That was, that was a really dumb thing I did, and I should have thought about it more, and if I did, then I wouldn't have done it, and now I'm going to be a productive member of society and deal with the consequences of being a felon and he, <laughs> not being well, able to so vote, he, not he being went, able to... He went to juvie, yeah. uh, got out, and immediately said, I'm not hanging out with those same people anymore, I got new friends, I'm going to a new school, but... There is no way to input that data into this minority report system. Yeah. Um, it's all just what's the data say? And he ranked high. Well, and so. the problem is that part of how they, th- this fucked up algorithm that they've created, thinking they're goddamn Google in the garage. I know. Like, yeah. is like, you know, like every single time the cops are called on somebody that moves them up the point scale. Like mm-hmm. everyone in town has a point listing next to them. Yeah. And the the top five percent are the ones who really get fucked with. The two week two daily times, touch. It, yeah. Some were getting so, daily touches. Or like you're just driving around and then you just see cops on the corner like looking at you go past. And yeah. it's just like, how do you live your life and not like you know, and if if you could argue if you if the problem is there's not a single person in this world who is on the scale that deserves this kind of uh, pressure? Mostly because I can't imagine any of this is legal. You can't. Well, see, that's the problem, Corey. <laughs> because what you forget is we all break laws every yeah. single day. Oh yeah. It was the the a uh, Tacitus, a Roman scholar, who said the death of a civilization, death of a republic, can be matched by the increasing number of laws that are passed. Because as the republic dies, the goal is. We need to keep the people under more and more control. Yeah. And the way that we flex that control is on us. So, yes, you may violate three or four laws every single day. You don't get caught. But 
if I have you under my eye and I want to put pressure on well, you, I can get you for this. It's four. also not the like, uh, you know, like I'm sure maybe there's some law in the books for California where like when you extinguish a cigarette, you need to do it in a two step process where you snuff and then cover. Probably you know, like so. there's some yep. sort of like law somewhere deep within. Well, you're definitely California not supposed to throw it out the window of a moving car. So, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, whatever people do, other people. Yes. <laughs> not ones who could be implicated in this hypothetical. Someone who isn't me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody who isn't me. <laughs> let's, call, let's call him Bory Corey. <laughs> His last name's Corey. That's a good cover. Yeah. You'll never know. Um, no, but I mean, like, you know, there could be some law in the book about, like, how to properly extinguish a cigarette. And because I dip it in water, mm-hmm. I'm not properly doing it. Nope. And I could be in violation of the law. And somebody's and if, sitting across yeah, the freeway. Yeah, a police officer across the freeway is looking with binoculars and waiting for me to do it and then bust down the door every time I do. Yep. That seems like it's not a valuable community resource. <laughs> like, it just seems like you're fucking with people. Yep. In, in, uh, in Wall Street, they call this picking winners and losers. If you if you choose which companies are going to get the the either the watchful eye or the like let them run kind of thing, yep. you're choosing which companies get the unfair advantage of winning or losing. Yep. So this is is specifically what uh, this sheriff's department is doing, just choosing who is going to be the ones who commit all the crimes and then focusing on their terror on them and pretending that it's somehow scientific because oh it's based on data it's not based on yeah but you started your data from a flawed place because people of color are naturally going to have a more of a criminal record yeah and essentially they are being the kkk without i mean cops are kkk let's just be honest it's a, you wear your hood at night you wear your badge during the day but um what it comes down to is the goal as stated by the sheriff was to either stop crime before it happens yeah. or get them to move out of the county. Yeah. Cause it's not necessarily about anything stopping crime. Really what they want is we want our citizens to be safe. And if you're going to make them not safe, we want you out of our County. Yeah. So go move. And people were moving. The ha- harassment was so great that they were moving out of the way. And I mean, I don't think we can even, I, yeah, we'll have to get the story and put it in the show notes to make sure that people can read it because yeah. there is so much that we cannot even go through what it's, these people were doing. Uh, I'll tell you right now. It's a, it's a nice long read. It yeah. took, it took me probably about 20 to 30 minutes to get through it all. Uh, but it, it is chock filled with things that are, are, are just, and it, here's the worst part. Uh, police departments do this from time to time. Mm-hmm. They come up with some sort of fucked up system. They find some small town in the middle of nowhere and they say, okay, Ogden, Utah, just picking a random place. Mm. Your police department is now going to arrest left-handed people and only yep. left-handed people. All left-handed people. Yeah. And if they're right-handed, let them, you know, find some reason to let them go. But if they're left-handed, you know, fucking plant drugs on them if you have to, but arrest them. And then they'll Wait, did use... You mean Baltimore? Did you mean Baltimore, Maryland? Is that what you're talking about? Okay, <laughs> they'll sorry. use this data, this random fucked up police department that just does it a little bit different. Yeah. They'll use the data to, to say, like... Oh, okay, so when a police department does this, it increase you know, like the crime went down when they arrested all the left-handed people. So that must be a correlation between mm-hmm. one thing and another. So if another police department somewhere else in America just randomly starts arresting a lot of left-handed people. By the way, I'm saying left-handed because we all know why people would get arrested more than other people, but let's not, not they're left-handed. Let's not Yeah. Let's not get into all those possible reasons. Um it, it, they they can use the data of well we we actually had a police department that did specifically this and they had a 
10% decrease in crime over the year in which they did this thing. And so the fact that the Baltimore Police Department, who just got in a lot of trouble for (laughs) arresting a lot of left-handed people for no good reason, uh, it's actually backed up by some degree of science. It's worked before. And that is what happened here. Essentially what they did is they brought in some experts and they built a system based on experts. Yeah. Then they let it run for a while. And the experts said this is not turning into reliable data that we can trust anymore. And the police were like, okay, yeah. And then they stopped listening to the experts and they kept doing the thing because minor crime was actually prevented. But what I'm going to tell you is that that was also because they hired more officers who were just patrolling beats within the County that stops broken window crime. Yeah. Having cops in the neighborhood always there stops crime. Also, I would imagine the well. The other part is the uh, like every neighboring county had a relative decrease in crime the, at same, the same time. At, yeah, yeah. So. But violent crime went up during that period. So it's yeah. like your 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 goal is to protect people, but you're actually arguably causing more violent crime because it went up despite going down everywhere else. And I just don't understand. It's picking. I do understand. It's exactly what Republicans are doing all over the country. We're picking and choosing data that fits the end result that we want. Right. And when someone says, this is why it doesn't work, you call them fake news and then move on and continue doing what you're doing. But even though he's been called out and even though he said, oh no, we have the backing of this doctor. And then CNN's like, next up, we have the doctor who says he doesn't back this program. Uh, this guy, they said, oh, well, we have training from this one guy who's a massive, like very infamous trainer. And it's like, no, I'm in no way associated with this program. Yeah. And then they like produce receipts that, Two of their officers went to a training in which 3,000 officers were there all at one time. Like, yeah. You're not working with him. You sent some guys to his training. Then they came back and trained your department. That does not work. It does not right. work that way. You need to get the training from the guy. Listen, if, if, I, can, I can foresee a world where an analytical-based police department, where you say that we've entered in all the crime over the last 25 years into this system, and it says that a lot of our shootings are within these five blocks perpetually, like yes. every year. Let's just say every year, this area is the danger zone where most of our shootings happen. Most of our stabbings, blah, 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 yep. blah, blah. Well, then it would make sense for you to say, let's put more police officers in that area and try and calm it down. How about this? Put and a see, cop on all of those corners. Yeah. None of that's going to, well, less of that is going to happen. <laughs> But I mean, like you, you can, you know, there, there's ways that analytics can be used hypothetically for good in policing. But the problem is that the people who will be deciding how those analytics are used are the police and they yes. can be trusted in this regard. So and, that's and the, if, if, a, if a town, if, if, you know, Pasco County board voted on this new analytical approach to policing and they installed people who would be monitors of this situation, then you know, if if there's mistakes that are made and some 15 year old gets razzed every two weeks, then perhaps you could say, OK, that's cl- there's clearly a flaw in this system. Yeah. We need to examine it. There's going to be you got to break some eggs to make an omelet, they say, you know, but there this is clearly just targeting and harassing people. Well, so, I, we talked about uh, on the right over here. It's I don't object to city watch style camera systems. I don't object. In fact, I am encouraged by body camera usage, but 
those things cannot be controlled by the same police who are then going to control the output yeah. of the data. You Sh- cannot do that. Shall we? Uh, shall we take a little uh, walk down to the Baltimore corner and then if we're gonna? I think we should. <laughs> where you get the straight dope. Indeed. But yeah, uh, I mean, speaking of the city, uh, that, that's not really the the story. But I, I would just say. I, we've talked a lot of trash about city watch cameras and the, the body cameras and all that, but it always comes back to the same thing that got, and I, I go back to the, uh, oh, what was that podcast? Man, Undisclosed. Undisclosed where they're just like, it's not that they don't, it's not that they don't do well. They don't do good. The cameras are good, but the police control all of the information. So yeah. they only release what they want. Have city watch be a private NGO. Yes, they're paid for. It's paid for by the government, but it's separate. They don't report to the police. And as you pointed out, if you get into an accident at North and, and Charles Street, you as a citizen should be able to be like, hey, can I get the City Watch camera at this time of day? Yeah. At five minutes on either side from this intersection. Sure. But and right you, now you can't because Baltimore police control it. And I'm sure that that would come with a monetary donation to the to the cause and sure. much like getting court records would. Uh, but you know, like I, I, ima- I could imagine a lot of use out of a system like that. And why are body and, cameras not public information that I can't just subpoena and get? So let's, let's talk about yes. what led us here. Yes. Uh, the Baltimore police is trying to encrypt their scanners, uh, for online uh, reproduction in any kind of way. Or uh, over the radio. Some people yeah. are switching to just listening in and recording yeah. it. So, uh, this is, uh, this is not unusual. There's a lot of uh, police scanners that are encrypted right here in Santa Monica, not here, but you know, in LA in Santa Monica, their radios are encrypted. Um, And the reason I know that is because I watched a a show about some guy who takes pictures of accidents and he's just like, I don't even go to Santa Monica because I can't hear the police radio. Yep. It's just like, if I happen to be there and I see it, then great, but I'm not going to like rush across town because I don't know anything. Um, But the, it's not an uncommon practice, but I would say that this is the type of thing that should be only shouldn't be given out anymore. Period. It's Full stop. Like if and it should also specifically not be given to the baddest of boys, like the Baltimore Police it, Department. Fine. Yeah. I'm with it. I don't like it. It should be public, but okay. You've always done it. When when you're looking to make it encrypted now because people are calling you on the bullshit you put out over yeah. the public airways. That is problematic. I, right. I have a problem with that. Well, the other, I mean, so uh, I've been doing a lot of Freddie Gray research here recently. Uh, and in doing so, I you find that, you know, 5% of what was said on the radio ended up in court uh, when, when the six officers were charged. And it's not because it's not there, hypothetically. It's because that's all they were going to give you. And the... State's attorney's office could subpoena for every single communication that happened over the radio that day, but they were okay with just taking what the Baltimore police was willing to give them. Yep. Thinking that was everything. And, uh, well, six or three innocents and uh, three charges dropped later. Here's the situation that we live in. The Baltimore and, police. And honestly, though, that is why now there are at least four individuals who are recording the radios at all times. Yeah. And you could follow their Twitter accounts. They are like, something's going on in Northeast. And, oh, here's the details of what's happening. And that's what the cops don't want. They're just like, yeah, no, we don't like this. We don't like being held to account. Some of those accounts have started figuring out the little keywords that the cops use to each other that mean things that they don't say that they mean. Yeah. Like, 
um, in re in going back and listening to some of the past recordings, they're like, okay, so if they say it's a 75 year old woman, that means I need you to bring the gun because we need to plant a gun in this car because yeah. I there's nothing here. I I made the I made the analogy on the ride that this is like if you got in a relationship with somebody and they <laughs> cheated on you, and like maybe they cheat on you a couple times and you just keep you keep just taking can't them back. you can't say no to them you like for whatever reason you love them speaking of ptsd but, that's my ptsd <laughs> but you uh maybe they uh you agree to let him back but then you you have to come up with some guidelines here like listen i'll take it back but i need to have access to your phone every once in a while yeah like i'm not i'll do it in front of you 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 know you can i'm not gonna transfer money or nothing but like I have to be able to see who you're texting and stuff like that. There's because, no taking calls in the other room. Yeah. Like, I'll be quiet while you're on the phone. I get it. Some of that's work. It should be work, right? Right. But well, and I mean, no like, if, it, if it seems like you're actually talking about work, I might just leave the room and sure. let you do that. But I'll give you the room. You don't go to the other yeah. room. That's how this works. <laughs> right. And, you know, you make all these rules, and then in the end, the relationship fails anywhere because, like, all the rules sort of kill. Wait, are you telling me that making a joint Facebook account isn't a healthy way to have a relationship? <laughs> no. Uh, By the way, I love but, how, like, in that moment, Corey kind of looked over his shoulder to make sure, even though his girlfriend's not here, to be like, oh, yeah, no, that's not a good thing to do. All right, I no, don't I, get caught. I don't want to get caught saying I, anything like that. I know. Fucking... Fucking Rachel and her friends have like their location shared with each other, and I'm, I just go like uh, I keep saying, uh, uh, "You want to see what would happen if Rachel asked me to do that? Come back with a fucking warrant." <laughs> <laughs> well, and if that wasn't the worst news, uh, out but of, uh, yeah, the, oh, go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry, the, the police are not allowed. The, it, if they were very good boys and uh -huh. they did everything right and they never fucked up and they certainly didn't just cost the city millions of dollars in the court in the settlements that they had to make on the gun trace task force because court rulings are about to come back and they about to lose yeah uh also if they didn't <laughs> fight the fact that they don't have to cover said lawsuits yeah. because when they're acting as thieves wearing their badges that doesn't make them cops i don't know why why would you think he's a cop just because he's wearing just a because he's badge. clocked in at the time that makes <laughs> He decided to do. He decided to rob and plant a gun on somebody on his own time while he was on honor time and getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but the overtime. The uh, <laughs> they they are not allowed to. You know, if a very good police department that promises to be good and has some sort of oversight in this, like mm -hmm. it's encrypted, but also a live feed goes to somebody who just makes notes all day. Hey, how about it just goes to the city and they yeah. record it and it's always available there. So if you try to say, oh, it's not available, be like, yeah. actually, no, nah, it is. We got it. So, and I mean, a big part of the reason why we're saying that the Baltimore police department is not filled with good boys and girls deserving of this kind of privilege. Uh, <laughs> the, the story that I just read about here, uh, God, what was his name? Had it pulled up a second ago and I dropped it. Wait, you're you talking wanna... about Sean Souter, right? Uh, the no. cop who was killed, or no, somebody else killed by the police. Oh, okay, all right. Oh, so yeah. allegedly killed by the police. Sorry. This gentleman <laughs> that you see to my right here, Corey's going to pull up his name. Uh, but essentially, what happened was uh, he was pulled over. Uh, he recorded the stop on his phone. They ordered him out of the car and he complied. They found a decriminalized amount of marijuana in the car, and then they were going to let him go, but. When the cop came back with his license and registration and realized he was recording again, because when he got back in his car, he realized the cop had turned off the video recording. 
Uh, then they arrested it's Sherman him. Reed Jr. By the way, Sherman Reed Jr. Yes, uh, they took him to lockup. Uh, then at one point they pulled him out of the cell, took him to the bathroom or to yeah. the side room, and then returned him to the cell. And immediately when he walked in, he said, "That wasn't here when I left because there was a small baggie of white powder yeah. in the cell." In the same place where he was sitting prior to going to the bathroom. Yeah. So of course they. Uh, Ram him up against the cell walls and somebody comes in with the gloves and takes it. Well, first, first he asked, uh, is there any black officers in this department that I can speak to? And nobody came. And then the white cops came back and they're like, what's this? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So then uh, he filed an IA complaint and uh, internal affairs for those not in the internal affairs. And uh, that was seen through to its completion. Some officers were fired. He was given some money by the city for his... Tr- oh, what happened? It's not how IA works. Nobody oh. knows how IA works. It's oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wrote them like the skulls in a script. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the... Uh, uh, what actually happened, though, was that right before he was supposed to go... Days speak, days away from, from uh, having his uh, meeting with IA, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's killed in his own home. Yep. And... By himself. No witnesses. Yeah. And uh, shot in the head, gangland yeah. style. Yeah. And uh, apparently the Baltimore Police Department is not answering any calls yeah. in regards to the family asking about this. Yeah. yeah. Um, homicide is not doing anything about it. No one's investigated at all. It no was one's a, asked. It was a big enough crime, though, that the mayor at the time, Jack Young, commented on it. Uh, city Council president, uh, now mayor elect, essentially a mayor elect, Brandon Scott, yeah. commented on it. Uh, it was a it was a notable murder uh, yep. in a city that gets quite a lot of murders. So it's it's weird when one becomes enough that the mayor comments on it. But and I mentioned Sean Suter there. You'll remember that that happened on the street and mm. uh, well, I mean, in an alley, yeah. in an alley, but out in public. And uh, the Baltimore police allegedly. No, wait, it wasn't alleged they did it. I mean, they straight up shot him and killed him before he got to the Well, so, uh, you know, like, it, it was first reported that it was a murder, mm-hmm. and then somebody it changed it to a suicide. Suicide, right, yeah. Because then Suter's family couldn't get uh, his pension mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if it was a suicide as opposed to him being murdered by and the police. And as you know, uh, shooting yourself but, I mean, in the back of the head is very common in a suicide. That's <laughs> But, a, I mean, like, we, you know, we have to, we have to keep a, a certain legal framework going here, sure, so yeah. we'll say allegedly, but... Allegedly, 95% of the people I talked to in Baltimore the the week that it happened, because it was also right before Christmas. Yes, I went home yeah. for Christmas, and it was fresh in people's minds, and I was saying, like, Sean Suter. And to a person, 95% of people were saying, fucking cops killed cops that guy. definitely killed him. Yeah, yeah, he was about to testify. Cops killed him. And if that is not, you know, and again, across socioeconomic, political, everything, like, everyone agreed. Yeah. Cops yeah. killed that guy. That was the general feeling on the street. And I don't I don't think that you would probably get a same a similar amount of people saying the same thing if this wasn't uh uh if this was Sean Suter or something on the same level yeah. that people knew this story. The problem is that something like this happened already. Uh we talked about the gun trace task force there a little bit. Yeah, speaking of uh, there, gangland, uh, <laughs> turns out the cops are a gang essentially. So there was a crooked department within the co- within the Baltimore Police Department, the Gun Trace Task Force, and uh, on one particular day, uh, they pulled over a gentleman. Uh, they searched his car. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. found a gun, yes. which he alleged was planted, uh, and they stole his money, mm-hmm. about like ten thousand dollars or so in money. And didn't write that they seized it. They no. just stole it, pocketed it, yes. and then it was their money. 
uh, that money was going to pay back a debt of some kind. I don't remember exactly what debt it was, but it was. It a wasn't a mortgage. No. Let's say that. Let's uh, something akin to a gambling debt or mm-hmm. something like that. Let's say that. Um, and he was arrested and he went to jail and he spent some time in jail until the uh, judge could see him. And then he was uh, let go for mm-hmm. a little while. And while he was home, he was murdered in his front yard in front of his wife and kid for not paying back that debt. Yeah, not by the cops. Let's be clear. They didn't not by the him. cops, yeah. but, you know, murder still unsolved. So yeah. <laughs> let's, let's not uh, let's not rule out possible suspects. Um, well, no, I think I think the the in that case though it was like yeah it was definitely retribution for not paying back the debt right but the cops might as well have killed him yeah I mean because there's the their actions caused his death yes so it's hard to argue that they aren't at least causally responsible for yes that. yeah I mean and in the end in this particular case with Mr. Reed. Perhaps they pulled the triggers themselves or perhaps they, you know, hired the guy who sits out in the parking lot of the police station who sells drugs there to go and shoot the guy. They don't have to pull the trigger themselves when your actions lead to the death of someone. Yeah. And it's convenient for you because now they're not going to file a complaint or they're not going to follow through with their complaint. I got questions. Yeah. And I'm also not going to give you encrypted radios because what are you going to do with them? Honestly, they shouldn't have gotten the fucking spy plane that they got, which yeah. by the way has not yet solved crime. Like funny, funny know, how that works. You know how, you know how quickly they would be holding a press conference with the spy plane right next to them. If this actually solves some sort of goddamn murder. Yeah, it hasn't, you know, they, they've gotten more calls about the noise of the plane, like circling yeah. slow and low. And I, I hate that. Baltimore might be the city that gets rid of the spy plane because it's too loud, but uh, as long as it's gone. Yeah, but also, if it had solved any crime, you can bet for sure the chief would be out on the landing pad before it could get back and land with like, all right, everybody, we're just very excited. We're waiting for the plane to return. We actually solved a case using the spy plane. You want to know why? Because they held a lot of fucking press conferences for the Gun Trace Task Force. Anything? Yep. Oh, our... Our valiant members of the Gun Trace Task Force collected another three guns this weekend. When they actually collected six, but three of those got to be sold for, <laughs> saved for drop guns at yeah, future points. You know. So, you know. Well, why why arrest somebody with two guns? Yeah, one gun's going <laughs> to yeah, lock yeah, them yeah. away. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's just an excess of guns. Just carry one for the next one. So, anyway, uh, that's the, the Baltimore corner. Where you get the straight dope. So uh, a quick aside, also, uh, I just want to mention this so, you know, in future years we can remember. Uh, it's uh, Labor Day weekend, uh, so I hope everybody is going to enjoy a safe weekend. If you're in Baltimore, be careful, because obviously, crooked-ass cops. I mean, be, be careful. <laughs> uh, and if you're in L.A., also be careful, because apparently a portal to hell has opened up, and the heat from therein is escaping into the air here. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, currently 109 degrees in downtown Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And that means in the Valley, it's somewhere around the boiling point of steel. <laughs> um, I can't imagine the other side of the world is just not fit for man or beast, generally speaking. But today it's got to be especially bad. And, uh, you know, I'm already seeing a lot of things about all the people who went to the beach and stuff like that. And, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the city and the state and everyone is, is coordinating as to like when they might just suddenly shut down the beaches if there's too much, too many people there. Well, it's going to be the too county in the state now well, because yeah. everybody at the city got furloughed, <laughs> including the mayor. Uh, so 15,000 employees for the city. Nobody's working. Uh, just all sent home. <laughs> 15,000 furloughed. And hopefully uh, the chief Moore gets fired. Is yeah. That, I mean, we can, that we can would always, save some scratch. <laughs> can we? Always happen. By the way, uh, also 
everyone's getting furloughed. Budget request went in about a month ago when we already knew we were in dire financial circumstances. Yeah. And the LAPD asked for more money. Right. Um, just like they are all around every city in this entire country, murdering people, asking for more money, and ignoring the fact that budgets are going to be unbelievably low this year. Well, you so. see, they're they're riding on the high of a lot of right-leaning media saying yeah. that the, the gangs and the violence in the streets is... is crippling every single major american city well, I, that's what i heard at the rnc so i imagine it's got to be I, true <laughs> well the, the, at some point we'll descend more into that topic yes uh but, oh, but by the way never been safer to be a cop there are officially nine jobs in the united states that are more dangerous than being a cop usually it's only five or six usually just like people who work in like oil derricks and uh, coal mines yeah. uh i mean trash men are always up there above police officers they're more exposed they're out in the element you know like they're hanging off the truck hanging of off the yeah. truck sure yeah i mean it's you know they're in the street for an hour a day cops are there you know for all day but that yeah anyway it, yeah but they're inside the car you know you don't have to worry about never, hitting one of those dangerous potholes and going flying off into another dimension it's never been safer to be a cop so don't believe the hype when they're like we're at war out on these streets no you are not uh anyway so uh that if of you course, are it's a war you started by the yes. way that, of course, brings us to the last topic of the day. And, you know, uh, we've been talking about the MLB. Uh, we talked a little bit about the NBA, especially last week. Uh, but the third, the trifecta, the third of the trifecta of real sports, because we, don't, of course, don't count hockey or <laughs> soccer as real sports, uh, is about to begin. But before we do that, we, of course, have to, to say that we're entering sports. <laughs> Hooray! Yes. Football is back. For how long? Nobody <laughs> knows. <laughs> As I said I, in the group chat, Tom Brady is going to get COVID from some stripper in Tampa, and by week three, this is all getting shut down. Uh, I I just imagine it's going to be like baseball does, where you know the Cardinals will lose twenty games <laughs> and then lose twenty games to COVID, and then all of a sudden it'll just be like, oh, you know, just the strength of victory, like you know, whatever the winning percentage is, that's what we'll go off. Sure, Not everyone needs to play sixty games. <laughs> Tom Brady's going to play three games, go to the strip club. He's 3-0, and and he's just like, well, I got a 100% winning percentage. That sounds what? like a <laughs> perfect season to me. I don't know. Hey, guys, we went undefeated to start the season. Why don't we all go to the strip club? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I figured just real quick while, while we're going into the NFL season here, and we would go through some over-unders on the wins uh, and see uh, whether where we stand. Sure. See, I will say initially – I was so excited because I was sure that we weren't going to have an NFL season and I was going to be able to avoid fantasy football this year. <laughs> but unfortunately, I cannot. And I did not. So playing fantasy football again. Yay. <laughs> I got right. the attention. I got the time for that. You know, I'm not doing a daily podcast seven days a week. Two episodes of a review every single week. Sounds like something, something you signed up on. for yourself here. Uh, Roberto, hey Roberto, you want to play fantasy football for me? <laughs> do, do you want to be my proxy? <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna auto draft seven kickers. They're the safest ones in COVID season. They have no friends on the team. They don't go out. Social distance. Yeah, can wear a mask. Doesn't impact their performance. They're always standing <laughs> six feet away from other players. It's great. <laughs> the punter would be good for this too. Of course, there's no fantasy punters. So. Oh, that's right. Damn it. <laughs> Unfortunately. They don't, don't score points. They don't play in a fantasy punter league. <laughs> what, what the fuck? All right. I want an all punters fantasy league. Let's do this. <laughs> 32 teams. Fucking end it. 
All right. So, uh, let's start with the AFC North, where we are, sure. where our team, the Ravens, are, and uh, start there. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Do you have a a feeling on where they go in a sixteen? Oh, are we actually going to go through every single team? Well, no, I oh, just I okay. figure we'd select some some good ones. Here. Uh, no, I, I don't even uh, listen. I think that it's clear based on performance last year that the Ravens are going to be at the top of the AFC North. I haven't heard anything in this off season that has made me think differently about that. Um, I hate the Bengals just out of general principle. Uh, not as much as I hate the Steelers, but you know they're always been a dirty team. So. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, having known nothing about this at all and done no research, I'm going to call the AFC North at, uh, let's say, Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Bengals. Okay. That's 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 pretty chalk, I think, to how, it, hey, how it's looking. Hey, I've done no research. <laughs> Look at that. But the over-under here, so we got uh, Bengals at five and a half. Okay. Uh, we have the Cleveland Browns. Let me do this alphabetically. It'll be easier that way. Eight and a half. Okay, so they would finish further back then, theoretically. Pittsburgh Steelers, nine and a half. Oh, damn. Okay, man. And I then the that. Ravens at 11 and a half. Oh, so wait, so yes, because the bigger the odds, the more likely they are to be. Well, it's, it, so it's just the the straight over under. So uh, the they are figuring that to win... Uh, the Ravens would have to win twelve or more games. Yes. To to if you're going hitting the under, they would have to win less than eleven games or eleven or less games. Okay. So you know, basically, this is Vegas's way of saying they think the Ravens will win twelve or will win eleven eleven and a half ish games. Yeah. All right. Uh, so so I was close there, except for the bang. Uh, oh no no the Steelers. Yeah, you had Browns, the order right. Bengals. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Do you? Is there any of those that you think? Uh, might go like you know the for for money wise I, I think the Ravens over is actually not a bad bet. I, I, but I don't know if it's worthwhile because again we don't know what's going to happen and there may be a six and six team heading in because COVID just goes wild through the whole league and yeah. somebody ends up losing a lot of games we might have a lot of teams that are you know three and I mean it, it's it's an uncertain uh gambling yeah landscape for sure but for the uh, season especially well what what makes me think that it's a good idea is that to go on the over is because the Ravens are coming back with everyone they had before. Mm -hmm. So training camp and practices and, you know, preseason the missing these things uh, doesn't really impact this team as much because it's just about getting back up to, to full speed. Yeah. Until you lose your quarterback in week two and then you lose a running back we, in week three and if a wide we do, receiver in week four. And they if start we do that though, then we're probably going to lose anywho. I mean, like that's just, you know, like, people get injured all the time. Like stars get injured all the time. There's no way of like saying that, it, you know, this, this is very assumptive of people stay as healthy as humanly True. possible. You okay. Know? And most specifically, I guess Lamar, like if Lamar is out, then the 11 and a half is probably out too. Well, if he gets out by an injury, if he just gets out from COVID, then he only misses two weeks. And yeah. that, that's the one advantage I think we have is that like you lose a running back. That's okay. We got one behind center. Anyway, yeah. you lose a, a wide receiver. All right. Well, we still have, four running backs with our quarterback as well. You know, like we yeah. can run, a, we ran, we oh, still have wet, last year. plenty of wide receivers too. Like yes, you got yeah. five on the roster or so. So and you, you have got enough a, to make a quarterback who is learning de how to read defenses. I, I do think he's going to do better. Historically quarterbacks do way better in their second full season. Than they did their first because no, less jitters reading defenses better. And look what Patrick uh, Mahomes did yeah. in his second season, like your, his second full season. I, I just think it's a, uh, 
it's our our time to lose, basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, let, let's do it this way real quick. I'm just going to name off some teams at the bottom of the list. Okay. And you tell me if any of these make you go, oh, we should really bet some money on this. Sure. Okay. Uh, Jaguars, four and a half over under. No. They should play all their games in London. That's what they should do. Washington football team, five games over under. So you get the rare opportunity for a push there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that Washington is going to be as bad. And this is maybe because I listen to some podcasts with people out of Washington and maybe they're hopeful about their own team, but I'm hearing a lot of like, this team is not as bad as everyone's saying they are. Like they have the pieces. The question is, can they put it together? They're probably going to be scrappy and win a couple games, but something tells me five is like a, that that's a that's a good number for me. That's okay. that's that's hard for me to. Uh, I mean, like I'm not saying I'm betting on it, but I'm saying like five to me sounds right. Well, at the end of this QB. thing, they would be five and eleven. That sounds what they have a new QB this year too, right? Like, well, Haskins is the rookie that they drafted last it. year, and he came yeah. in uh, in place of Alex Smith, uh, and you know it'll be his first full season, so hopefully he can develop there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but, he's no Lamar, so. <laughs> Alex Smith, though, that that's a pretty incredible story. He had a Theisman injury, basically. Yeah. That his fucking bone was poking out of his leg. Mm. And they thought he wasn't they were gonna have to amputate his leg and that he would never walk or play football or anything again. Yeah. And he's training. He's yep. at he's at a training camp right now. He's working. Uh he probably won't be ready to play right away, but he is hypothetically there getting Available. ready. Yeah. Yep. And he's on his feet to help a because he's still with Washington, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's there to help a rookie quarterback. Yeah. And he has a lot of experience. So. And I mean, Ron Rivera for the for the if I were to make an argument for a surprise team and Washington being that team, then it would I would imagine Ron Rivera would be carrying a lot of that storyline. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati. We talked about Carolina. Any interest uh, over under six? I mean, I think the the most flamboyant part of their offense is now in New England. So I, I don't know that uh, who who did they bring in to replace Cam? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, nope, that's probably real accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to see if there's anything. So I mean, local thing. Uh, Rams eight and a half. I, I mean, or again, Chargers at eight. Or do either of those entice you? The Chargers, I think that's that's an overshot. I think them winning eight games is. Yeah, I, I would imagine. I, I would put the under on the Chargers. Too. Yeah, I just yeah. but uh, the Rams, I think, is it's kind of like Washington. To be fair, they're the only team that knows what it's like to play in front of no fans. So That's also true. I mean, maybe that's <laughs> an advantage. Uh, but the, the Rams, They've I don't know. They've been training for this. <laughs> I feel like the Rams could do better than that. But then, of course, like you get heartbroken by the Rams, too. Like Sometimes they, just, they don't seem like they know how to play football, but sometimes they do. So I just feel like the West is such a crapshoot. I yeah. wouldn't want – with the Niners and the Rams and uh, the Cardinals looking better and uh, Seattle always yeah. a threat. Like that, that seems like it, it would be a really loaded division where it might be one of those like – an eight and eight team makes it, but it's only because everyone's so competitive. Yeah. Like there's nobody but, who runs away with it. Uh, I, I have concerns about Seattle. I obviously for the opposite reason, like I feel like they really thrive in an environment that is fan driven. Mm. And I guess we're going to find out how much of that is like, getting how much home field advantage really matters. The hype of the crowd, because like, listen, having only played amateur and high school sports, there is some level of like when you hear the, your home crowd getting you hyped. Yeah, 
but you're also 15. So, yeah. I mean, like, how much is that worthwhile? Well, versus... I mean, I, I think we can make a reasonable argument that in the NBA, with the playoffs there, that it's making a, a pretty big difference. Because, yeah. I mean, Miami, while a good team, is up 3 nothing on, on uh, Milwaukee right now. And uh, Milwaukee is the clear favorite going yeah. in. But, you know, neutral site, no fans. Like, this, th- there's no real home field advantage to either either team when they're the home team. So I, I was going to say that Indy, Seattle are going to have the problems of like places where you could hear a pin drop when the offense is on the field yeah. and the defense is on the field. It's just a jet turbine yeah. loud and not having that and being like, it's always sucks to go into Seattle because it's cold and wet and you can't hear anything. <laughs> well, not anymore. I do think that there is going to be a part of this that I mean, like one of the great things about being playing at home, though, is you sleep in your own bed. That's also you true. get comfortable. Yeah. You have your own locker room like and you, they don't have any traveling NBA. to. Yeah. yeah. So with not a without a bubble system, it might be a little bit different. I, yeah, it's it, I think at the end of the MLB season and the football season, if it sort of goes no fans throughout, then uh we would have some base data to be able to look at for yeah. the future. Well, I was going to say, I just, I especially maybe it might change Vegas's thought on the three points to the home team. Yeah. Like, cause usually if it's, if it's an even matchup and you would, it would be a, a pick them and a you neutral site. It's yeah. plus three to the or minus three to the, the home team. Yeah. So uh, I just, I feel like, especially in a place like mm-hmm. Indianapolis where yeah. even Andrew Luck said there was something about playing in that stadium because you really felt like it was a practice field while you're on offense, and then so overwhelming yeah. when you're on defense. I, I don't know. I, I also feel like there's uh, there are going to be people. If I was an NFL player, I wouldn't go home. I would stay in a hotel during the season because I don't want to risk taking something home to my family yeah. that I got exposed to. So then you lose the home field advantage because yeah, you're at home, but you're also living in a hotel in Seattle. Yeah. So it's all road life basically. So real quick, I- I'd like to run through just the top 10 here sure. Go ahead. just to finish yep. up and uh, let me know if any of these numbers make you go, Oh, I'm hitting the over high on these. I feel like Tampa Bay is going to be on this list. Go ahead. <laughs> Prepare yourself for a shock. Okay. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, nine and a half. Philadelphia Eagles, nine and a half. Indianapolis Colts, nine and a half. Seattle Seahawks, nine and a half. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 10. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, 10 and a half. 49, or Saints, 10 and a half. Uh, 49ers, 10 and a half. And then the Ravens and the Chief, each with 11 and a half. I, I mean, I don't think I'm taking the uh, the over on either the the problem with taking the over on the chiefs or the ravens is like i fully believe both those teams could win 12 13 games yeah but there's so much uncertainty with going into the season it, i, I it's, think it's, it's rough i think if you're a gambler uh and we're talking about this obviously because sports gambling is much more legal now than it was yeah. the last time we did yeah. this uh uh did a, a season preview I, I just feel like uh to me if i if i have money that I'm going to Vegas to bet over unders with. I am not touching anywhere in the middle because nobody, nobody in the middle here makes me think other than the Cardinals at seven and a half. I think that there is a potential that they could blow that out. I take the under Uh, Tampa Bay. I don't think they're going to win 10. I mean, Houston at seven and a half. I think that could be good. You know, Las Vegas at seven and a half. I I think think eight and eight. That means you you don't finish eight and eight. Right. Uh, And it's rough. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just think that, like, on a flyer, some of those would be good good money values. 
Uh, but anywhere up top, like I just don't. It it doesn't feel comfortable to me. I I would say Colts under because yeah. Philip Rivers is there now as a starter and he's older and he was already intercepted more than anybody other than Jameis last year. But so there is there's always the question: Is was it Philip Rivers or was it? The being in the Charger organization, being in San Diego slash Los Angeles, yeah, uh, just like I would think that the the that Tampa Bay is not going to win ten, but maybe it really is Tom Brady, and he's going to go to Tampa Bay and well, I mean Tampa turn that team around. Tampa is loaded now. Obviously, they had Evans and uh, Godwin yeah. at wide receiver. They get Gronk, they got Gronk from the now, trade, yeah. so yeah. you have one of the best tight ends in the history of the NFL back. What how good he is, but even behind him. You have uh, Brait and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head now. Fuck. But two very capable yeah. starting tight ends are behind Gronk on that, that depth chart. Brady at quarterback, obviously. And then the Jags just released Leonard Fournette. So he is now signed with the Bucks. Yeah. So you have Leonard Fournette as well. A fourth overall pick just I a couple years ago. The the big question for the season is... And a good offensive line, a good defense, not right, anyone... Defending Jameis' nonsense for the last <laughs> few years are probably really good. The question for this season, I uh, number two. Question number one is, what is COVID going to do? Question number two is, was it the coach or was it the player? Yeah. Was Tom successful because he had Belichick in New England, or is he really that good? Was Cam successful and will he be more or less successful with Belichick in New England than he was in Carolina? Uh, was Jameis? He's playing somewhere, so too, right? So we, we literally have a half-point difference between – or half-win difference between uh, New England and Tampa Bay. Yeah. So Vegas is roughly thinking that somewhere in the area of nine wins is where both these teams are going to yeah. end up. If I told you you could bet on one oh. to to – uh, beat the other like who would have a better record at the end of the season Tampa Bay or New oh England? just a straight up yeah one, one versus the other uh, uh <clears throat> I have to go I'm gonna have to go with New England because I, I think I, Belichick makes the changes during the season to make that happen no matter what it takes I, I think Tampa is gonna be very good I think they're going to be uh competitive in yeah. the in the south there uh but I just I, I can't even imagine Betting against Belichick, yeah, absolutely not. Uh, you, and, I, I wouldn't bet against him to not win the Super Bowl this year. Well, and, like, I mean, and, and as much as people love Tom Brady, and you know, well deserved, he, he has many championships yes. and you know accolades and stuff like that. I still feel like best case scenario, Cam Newton is a better quarterback than Tom Brady is at this point. I younger. mean, you know, you're yeah, we're talking about ten years age difference yeah. or something like that at the very front. And even though Cam is in injuries, I still feel like there's enough. There's he's an MVP. He was, you know, he was good enough to be NFL MVP. So that that means something. Well, I think the other problem, too, is you can have the best line in the NFL. You can have all of the weapons out there on the wings ready Mm -hmm. to go. But Tom Brady is 44 now. 42, I thought. 42. And he's a 42 year old man and you cannot protect him 100% of the time. And you get a flyer, a, a safety blitz that just catches the back of his leg uh, you know, while he's running away, do does Tampa Bay win with all those weapons without Tom Brady? Yeah. Now I forty three be- on Tom Brady. Forty three. I fully believe that no matter what happens in New England, Belichick finds a way to win. He took a sixth round draft pick when his MVP quarterback went down. He somehow roused his sixth round draft pick to become Tom Brady. Because at that point he was nothing. He was a scrawny kid who got yeah, picked late in the draft. Cam is thirty-one, by the way. Just a yeah, so an eight-year difference. Yeah. But enough, I think, though, that twelve-year difference. Twelve year. Oh, that's right. More yeah. than yeah, twelve year. 
I think if Tom goes down in Tampa Bay, that's the end of Tampa Bay's chances. If Cam goes down in New, New England, Belichick finds a way to, to win around it. Because I just don't think the coaching in Tampa Bay, Jameis is not I mean, a bad quarterback. Well, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's Bruce Arian. So, yeah. I mean, Bruce has had a lot of success being able to uh, find a way to win with less than desirable talent yeah. before. Uh, Cam Newton, you know, who, who, everyone makes fun of him for throwing 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in the same season last year. Yeah. Quite the feat. But people also forget that he, I think, led in passing yardage, too. He yeah. was out of this world throwing it down the field. And if you didn't have, have a people, great line either, by the way, some of those interceptions were Tom, like, got to make something happen. I will argue other than uh, the one the when he had Randy Moss just by himself. Yeah. He has never had a wide receiver anywhere close to Mike Evans or uh, a core, Godwin. Yeah. A core of. Uh, I mean, if you're talking about this fantasy wise. Oh, yeah. Evans and, and Godwin are top 10 wide receivers in the yep. league. And he's got two of them. You know, you could argue that Moss. Maybe at his peak, still in still in New England, perhaps. Yeah, was better than either one of these two guys, but they got two. They got two of them, yeah. which is an incredible feat. And Tom was throwing to you know moving men for the last couple of years. Like there, <laughs> obviously there's there's star there's good wide receivers there, but there's also it seemed like every once in a while we'd watch a game where it's just like, hey, Tom Stevens is out there at wide receiver, and you're just like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> He so. was moving boxes a week ago, but they needed somebody. He worked so. at Patriots video, <laughs> video, uh, but again, staff, and then uh, got the moved is, up to wide receiver. Does Tom make them look like superstars, or does the Patriot way, that is essentially Belichick, make them superstars? I I bet you, I bet you that uh, I bet you Tom uh, or that uh, the Patriots do better than the the Bucks this year. I, I, think, I, I that, think that's the only way you can go. Don't yeah. ever bet against Belichick. I mean, unless I, it's the Ravens versus Brady, Patriots and Brady, then. Brady's good. I think Brady will like lead this team to a winning record. But, you know, if guns my head, I have to make a choice between the two. I still think New England's going to be better than, I mean, than I, Tampa this year. I go back to it's the second question. Bruce Arians now. You're right. He has done. He's had marginal success with not great players. Yeah. Now that's not a problem. You have everything that you need to win. If they don't win, I'm looking at Bruce Arians and saying, maybe it's you. Maybe Jameis wasn't that bad, and yeah. you just don't know how to coach him. Because you got Tom Brady, the possibly the greatest quarterback in the history of football, and you can't find a way to win with him. And then if you go to New England, you're like, Cam hit 30-30 last year, but Belichick's putting him in the playoffs? Well, so, you know, like putting in like a Ravens perspective here, there was a lot of people when it was Joe Flacco and Tyrod Taylor together <laughs> saying that Tyrod should start. Yeah. Like there was a big like push for Tyrod. Stop listening to the fan, Corey. Why are you listening <laughs> to one of us? <laughs> but they're not wrong. The people who wanted Tyrod were not wrong. Yeah. Because Tyrod is a talented enough quarterback that he's started ever since. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he's been a good, dependable starter. He is starting again with the Chargers right now. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah. Oh. I mean, he will lose that job to Justin Herbert eventually whenever Herbert is ready to take it from him. But he's still a starting quarterback in the league right now. Yep. So how – like it, it – what we were really arguing at that point, because both Flacco and Tyrod are of, are of similar caliber that they can both start, yeah. was what made more sense for the situation we were in. And I think Joe, with the big arm and the fast wide receivers at the time, was the the better play stretch than Tyrod. Yeah, just stretch a field. Yeah. And, and if but you now, have to threaten a 40-yard touchdown, then But I mean, like, you know, Harbaugh completely changed everything once Lamar... <laughs> was the quarterback yeah once he was the starter everything changed 
And I, I have to imagine that maybe there would have been some sort of world where everything changed if it was Tyrod too. If Flacco was just like, peace, I'm out. Like, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. And Tyrod became the starter. <coughs> then I imagine the offense would have changed to suit Tyrod. So is the, the I, I wonder, does Belichick come up with some sort of offense that completely uh, fixes Newton or changes Newton? Or is it more of a uh, air, uh, Bruce figures out to- how to work Tom Brady into the system? Like, yeah. how, do, how do you get the best of what you got in New England in Tampa so Tom can duplicate. Honestly, if I'm Bruce Arians, I'm like, hey, Tom, uh, you want to design an offense for me? And just <laughs> let him do it. Uh, because I do feel like the opposite is... Bruce walks in with this little hat like into Tom Brady's hey, hey, Tom? office just going like, we're thinking about signing Leonard Fournette. I d- Ooh, by the way... A fourth round, a fourth if, overall pick. If you don't think Tom Brady had a say about the signing, <laughs> you are out of your mind. But I, I do believe that Belichick We'll probably go meet with Cam and watch video of Cam and be like, all right, let me go design an offense that's going to work with this guy. <laughs> there, there's there been multiple reports out of New England, take it for what it's worth, that uh, uh, Belichick has been giddy at what he's been seeing out of uh, uh, Cam. Which is a word that I don't necessarily associate with Belichick. Yes. Giddy is not something I don't think I've ever seen. I don't think I want to actually see. He's won Super Bowls and I've seen him frown. Like, I I don't know if I'm prepared for Giddy. Um, But I guess general logic here. Feel free to to, uh, uh, object differently if you feel so. The only two things I'm really feeling comfortable is hitting the over on the Chiefs and the Ravens. Yeah. I think plus... You know, 11 and a half is a good. I, I feel confident that one of these two teams, both of these teams could probably be 15 and one, 14 and two, 13 yeah. and three without too much trouble. Uh, so I feel like you're even buying yourself like in a, a, a weird loss if you think they're going to be 13 and three. Yeah. But maybe they get fucked in one one game and a Again, ref though, blows it. And question number one for the season, because. Your Lamar goes down for two weeks with COVID, and now you're 14 and two. No matter what, like yeah. you're not going to win those two, likely. So, I mean, Patrick I, goes down for two. You're probably going to lose those two as well. See, I I feel like uh, I feel like those two teams have enough talent around though that they could figure out. Like if we lost Lamar for two weeks, just hypothetically, yeah. and RG three had to come in and run the show. I forgot RG three was our backup. I I, I feel yeah. like he's he's. Uh, good enough to keep the the gears moving, you know. It's way, a lot of running. I love game how we're talking of, about a former number one draft pick, uh, <laughs> Heisman Trophy Heisman winner. Trophy winner. <laughs> I feel like he's good enough to uh, run the. He might be able to do it. By the way, in the same style of the current quarterback, it's not like switching up styles. He's like, uh, I'm going to run the run offense. Like too. you're it's bringing fun. Vinny Testaverde in there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All the design runs are out the window. <laughs> um. But yeah, there, there's not really, like, it, I think anything, if anything, it's just this weird season that doesn't make me want to to uh, bet or, like, put a flyer on anybody unless I'm, like, really feeling confident about it. How many- Arizona, like, I picked out of here, like, at seven and a half. That feels, like, I feel like at the end of this, there's a chance they might win 12 or 13 games. Maybe. That would be really, yeah. really above what they're expected to do this year, but I could see a breakout happening. Kyler does the Lamar Patrick Mahomes thing where in the second full year he unlocks himself. By the way, guess who I'm not taking in fantasy this year? Because you <laughs> fucking disappointed me last year, Kyler. 
Uh, yeah, he was my. Uh, he was my. You know what the problem is though that you're you're gonna say, oh, I'm not drafting Kyler. And he's and gonna then do you, really yeah. great this year. Yes, I know. Yeah, <laughs> much like Mahomes and Lamar before, he'll take that that second season to win Listen, his MVP. And I'm taking. There is only one person you take in the first round. Hollywood has got to go <laughs> in the first round. <laughs> Don't steal Rachel's strategy. Somebody might take it. Uh, oh god but really going through the list I, I don't see a whole lot of like juicy lines here that are making me here's a question for you we've yeah. talked about a lot of afc teams yeah it's almost as if the afc championship I mean, we've game, been talking about the tampa bay bucks here a little bit the, I mean, who else is compi- like the, the the cardinals yeah who else is competitive in well, I mean, the favorites are the 49ers, the Saints, the Cowboys, the Bucks, the Seahawks. The same names the that we Eagles. hear every single year. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, and but the problem is that I sort of feel like the NFC is just like there's a lot of really good teams, but not a not truly great. exceptional team. Yeah, I, I think you could say that, you know, if you're if you're breaking off there, the, the Chiefs and the Ravens seem to be at the very top of the teams in the league. Yeah, at least prospectively. They play the game. We'll see what happens. But uh, going in, it looks like those are the two far and away teams up top. I got a proposal then, for you based on that. Though. And then, before, but, wait, wait, before you continue. Yeah. Proposal. Seattle comes to the AFC. Chiefs go to the NFC. And we'll let that run for a little while. So then at uh, least maybe the Chiefs and Ravens, the two best teams. Can play each other in the Super Bowl. And by the way, likely because we have two very young quarterbacks leading two very good young teams. Yeah. That the next 15 years would just be. Ravens Chiefs quarterbacks yeah. or Ravens Chiefs Super Bowls. But it's almost disappointing because I'm looking at this again being like, oh, well, so it's going to be Chiefs Ravens in AFC Championship and then I mean, winner of that versus somebody. It, it was always a kick in the pants for a while where you would have the Colts and the Patriots face off in the AFC Championship with the Ravens, Brady Manning matchup. Yeah. And then Brady would win and then go on to get defeated by the younger, worst Manning in the, in the Super Bowl. <laughs> but. You play the good Manning in the championship <laughs> game, and then you get beat by the other one. Get beat by the the one that nobody wanted. Like, you, Except wait, for wait, Giants fans. You, who just you like took really... him out to dinner, but Chloe's the one you hooked up with? <laughs> really? Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Rude. I <laughs> just revealed that I know way too much about the Kardashians. Uh, I I think we've uh, I think we've covered this nicely though. I, I people were looking for for their fantasy fo- or their uh, betting advice have gotten yeah. Uh, and by the yeah. way, trust none of this <laughs> advice. As I will repeat, as I said in the beginning, I've done no research whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I only know the things that like Corey sends me tweets about. I'm like, oh, Tom's in uh, Tampa now. That's cool. <laughs> I hadn't seen that. That's good to know. Well, uh, if you're wondering where you can find out uh, the latest on Tom Brady's motions, you know where you can go. Where's that? Oh, the anthem.com. Corey to the anthem.com. Oh, the anthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line, 443-219-7595. What is that number again? 443-219-7595. You can find more of me on my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendCB5 on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, have the review out for uh, Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be doing some reviews this week as well as some special other videos that I'm working on as well. Ooh. Uh, things I've been cooking up. So look at the Mr. Prolific over uh, here. I, I, you know, it's a uh, slow and steady wins the race. I feel so unlike Rob's, uh, jackrabbit pace over here on the content. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if I, I follow along because I'd be interested in, uh, hearing what people's thoughts are on the, on these new videos that I'm going to put out here. So, uh, you can go to YouTube and find all that. 
Excellent. All right. And of course, uh, you can find more from me uh, at Robert and Cheek on all your social networks. Um, I have a daily podcast of like random facts and trivia, which I find to be really fun and people have been uh, super excited about. You can follow that on social media at Rob Explains and Rob Explains on Anchor and YouTube. Uh, I, of course, have the Everyman Movie Review. Uh, reviews twice a week no matter what i have my own bill and ted coming up uh recently i've done vivarium uh sundays which is today bad education is out so make sure you check that out it's a back to school special for the back to school time uh at everyman movie on all your social media and uh at rob uh, rob cheek youtube.com forward slash rob cheek uh of course you can check out my website rob cheek uh robert for more uh from me all of these projects as well as the books that are available on amazon buy rose books and please don't forget i'm running for president even though I haven't posted anything there very recently. So got to get to work on that, uh, making myself some extra time for the rest of the month. But uh, at Rob Cheek for Prez, uh, available uh, on all your social media, and robcheekforpresident.com, cheekforamerica.com is where you can find all of that stuff. So uh, I don't think I have nearly enough going on. What I'm thinking, Corey, how about a twice daily podcast? <laughs> Where it's just four me. hours a day where you're talking about the market. Yeah, I'm just slowly working my way <laughs> into Rogan. Something you could be doing live. <laughs> <laughs> Something I uh, just working my way up to Rogan, basically. Uh, <laughs> only without 117 people supporting me and running live video and audio at the same time while editing. That should be super fun. Well, I mean, if, as long as it ends with a big Spotify contract, I don't. How can, uh, I'm going to possibly go wrong. Uh, here's my new my new thing, my new content. I wanted to do seven days a week content. I hit that. The new goal, I'm putting a camera up in my apartment. It's running live <laughs> all the time. You will be able to peek in whenever you want. It's going to be on my OnlyFans. Check it out. OnlyFans.com <laughs> forward slash Robert. Don't do it. It's not <laughs> worth it. I've seen it in person. It's not worth it. I live a very sad life. There's nothing interesting <laughs> there for anyone. But I hope everybody has a great Memorial or Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Uh, you guys, if you're watching live, enjoy it. If not, I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. A uh, special episode of Rob explains about Labor Day and why it's more than just a relaxation holiday. Make sure you check that oh, out. Oh, all right. Well, I think we've done good here today. We've done something. I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the O the Anthem podcast, part of the O the Anthem digital network. For Corey, got it that time. This is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. All right, we're ending the podcast now because it's too hot. Woo! Uh, 109! <laughs>